For those who have joined us uh, this week online, we've been going through a series of I Am statements from Jesus. And the first time that I Am was heard was in Exodus 3, where Moses was in front of the burning bush, and he was asked by God to lead the people of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. And so Moses was being sent to Pharaoh, and, and he asked God, okay, God, like, what do I say to Pharaoh about who sent me? What name do I give him? In Exodus 3, verse 14, God said, I am who I am. I am has sent you. We have heard statements from the New Testament where Jesus proclaimed, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the way and the truth and the life. And today, we talk about Jesus being the true vine. I am the true vine. One thing that comes quite clearly through these I am statements is that God desires to have a relationship with his people. And he desires his people to have a relationship with him. So we're going to be reading from John 15, verses 1 to 8. And before we do, let's come to God in prayer. Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for these words, and thank you for your word, for the story of your love and grace to your Son. Thank you for your desire to have a relationship with us, and bless each of us now as we read and listen to your word. In these uncertain times and times of social distancing, you do not distance from us, and your word and your promises are certain. Reveal your truth to each of us wherever we are, and it's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So John 15, 1 through 8, as we've mentioned throughout the service, it's Palm Sunday, and we're not reading the typical Palm Sunday passage of Jesus riding into Jerusalem. So instead of talking about palm branches this morning, we're going to be talking about vine and vines and branches. So let's read John 15, 1 through 8, the vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So again, we mentioned this morning that we are talking about branches. And let's go back to the beginning of creation the creation of these vine branches. We go back to Genesis when God created this world perfectly. God's intended design for his people was to walk with God, to know him. And already in the beginning of scripture with the creation story, it's in Genesis 3 verse 8 that briefly gives us a picture of what that may have looked like at the time. We read these words, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God and humanity walking together. A close, deep, 
perfect relationship. But then something was already lost. The fall into sin occurred. And instead of Adam and Eve running toward God and walking with him, they hid from God. They imposed their own social distancing. And on top of that, they imposed their own spiritual distancing. And we continue to live that fallen story today. We hide. We run. In many instances, we will avoid God and focus our attention on other things because other things just seem so much better. Having said that, I think that with COVID-19, we're beginning to prioritize things differently and realizing how important relationships are, family, friends, community relationships, and maybe even realizing how important a relationship with Jesus is. John 15 refers to that deep relationship with God. And in this passage, we are presented with three analogies representing three parties. You've got the gardener representing God. You've got the true vine representing Jesus. And you've got the branches representing people. Now, Jesus is shaking things up a little bit with this story, as he does in most stories. The people of Israel had an understanding that, yes, God was the gardener. They knew, as John stated, God's the gardener. However, in the Old Testament passage, uh, such as Psalm 80 or Isaiah 5, the vine wasn't Jesus, the vine was Israel. Israel was God's chosen people. Israel was the vine that was planted It was the vine that was taken care of. Israel is the vineyard, and the people of Judah are the vines that God delights in, Isaiah 5, 7. So when people would hear analogies about vines and stories about vines, the vine represented the covenantal people of God, planted and tended by God so that Israel would produce fruit. So as far as the Jewish people were concerned, these Jewish listeners in this day, Israel is already remaining in the vine because God said they are the vine. They They are the vine that God has planted. God's covenantal promise was that God was going to keep this line, going to keep this vine of Israel going because a Savior was to be born from this vine. Jesus came from Israel, not Israel from Jesus. That's what they were thinking. Again, it's clear when, God, when Jesus says that God is the gardener, again, God planted the true vine. In other words, God sent his one and only son to this earth, and he did so for a purpose. God loved the world, and he wanted to have a relationship with his people and for his people to respond. God wanted to restore that broken relationship from the fall into sin, and so he sent Jesus to bring that restoration, to bring that healing to the world. Again, God, being the gardener, would not have created a tension among the Jewish people. But just imagine the, Jew, the Jewish listeners for a minute. Those who are listening to Jesus. When he rattles their understanding and says that Israel is not the vine, but Jesus is the vine. And in fact, Jesus is the true vine. So this story of the true vine, it's occurring between Palm Sunday, with all the hooting, with all the hollering and the praising that was going on on that Palm Sunday, and before Good Friday, when the people were yelling, crucify him. So Jesus, has, as the true vine, has ridden into Jerusalem. He's ridden on a donkey, as Sylvia stated, knowing that this was his final journey into the city, knowing that he was going to be asked by his Father in heaven to give up his life on the cross. 
and to give up his life on the cross for the branches. This true vine loved his people so much that he's going to the cross for the Jewish people and also for the Gentiles. He is going to take all the sins of his people upon him. Jesus is extending his love and his grace and salvation beyond the Jews. Now Jesus talks about people already being clean and that he remains in his people. In these eight verses, the word remain is mentioned at least seven times. Remain can be synonymous to abide or to dwell, to live. And remain here is a verb, and it is an active verb. In fact, it's actually a command. And this verb in this situation has two subjects. The one subject being Jesus, Jesus remains, and the other subject being we, we remain. We disciples have a responsibility to remain as well. We are to remain in Christ. But first, Jesus also remains in us. The emphasis is first on Jesus. The emphasis is first that Jesus is remained, has remained in you. Again, the text emphasizes how Jesus is the true vine, and he extends his grace to his disciples. He extends his love by remaining in you and loving you. And when Jesus left this earth, he gave his followers the power of the Holy Spirit. People, as followers of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ in you. And you do have a responsibility. But Jesus first extends his grace to you. He remains in you. Now, we're also not connected to just any random vine. We are connected to the true vine. We are connected to Jesus because he is first connected to us. And being connected to the true vine means that there could well, very well be, and, and there are, other vines out there. There could be other vines that we gravitate towards and desire to be connected to. And that we think that we're getting our life support from. Perhaps there are other vines that are allowing us to go through life rather well. And that maybe we're even living a good life, so it seems. Maybe it's the vine of financial prosperity or the vine of educational pursuits or the vine of addictions or even the vine of holding on to disobedience. But this passage states and reminds us that we are connected and to be connected to the true vine. This passage calls us to respond to the true vine. That Jesus is the true vine and that he has reached out to all his people to follow him and not to be mastered by these other vines out there. We're to believe in him, to have faith in Jesus, and we're called to be branches that remain in this true vine and bear much fruit. And it's clear that in this passage too that some branches will be thrown into the fire. But when we are attached to the true vine to Jesus, when Jesus remains in us and we in him, according to verse 4, when we have this wonderful relationship with him, we will be a branch that bears fruit. As verse 8 reads, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And we are to ask ourselves then, well, am I showing myself as a disciple of Jesus? Am I bearing much fruit? Every time I read this passage, it's kind of neat to see that there's a progression going on here. In verse 2, the passage begins by talking about bearing fruit. And then at the end of verse 2, it refers to being more fruitful. 
And as we get to verses 5 and 8, the passage refers to bearing much fruit or an abundance of fruit. Again, that progression that occurs. God, through Jesus in us, desires that his disciples bear much fruit. And that fruit will last. Now granted, it, it might take time to bear fruit. And yet we need to be striving towards a bountiful yield. And so as I read this progression, and, and I also think of a baseball story of a young boy, Henry is his name, who, who idolizes a major league baseball player, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., third baseman from the Jays. Now I know we can't watch baseball at this time, but we can still talk about it, right Steve? Yeah. <laughs> Henry used to watch Vladimir perform in games. How he hits home runs, runs at great speeds, and slides in the bases and catches the balls. And when Henry played baseball with his friends, he tried to imitate his hero. He tried to imitate Vladimir. And Henry swings the bat as hard as he can. He runs as fast as he can. He does his best to slide in the bases. And when he's out there, he's on third base and trying to catch those balls. But of course, what constantly happens, and consistently, he consistently fails to perform anywhere near the level of his favorite baseball player, Why? It's because Henry tries to imitate what his hero does after years of Vladimir's experience. Vladimir's father was a major league baseball player and himself had been playing ball for a long time. And professional athletes spend hours and hours exercising specific muscles, engaging in focus drills, and practicing every aspect of their game again and again and again. They aren't able to do things that they do simply by exerting just a great deal of effort into one game. So often, we make the mistake of this young baseball fan. We're called to bear fruit in the name of Jesus. We look at Jesus, and we look at the way he obeyed God in everything, and so we follow his example, and yes, we should. And you know what? We do well maybe for a day or so, a few days, probably a few hours, And we may experience some success. And then something sets us back. Something we'll call sin. Sets us back to square one. And often these failures are also accompanied by a growing sense of shame. Or a sense of cynicism and resignation. Because this is a problem we've tried again and again to overcome. We can't expect to be exactly like Jesus. This takes practice. This takes patience. It takes time. But we can listen to Jesus when he says, remain in me, as he remains in us. And over time, we have such a deep relationship with our, with our Savior, as verse 7 says, whatever we ask, we will be given. Now, this is not saying that Jesus is the magic wand by any means. This is saying that we will have such a close relationship with Jesus, we will know his will, and our requests will be in sync with his will. I look forward to that day as I'm sure you do too. But this practice and this patience of being like Jesus takes time, of bearing fruit. Now, it doesn't mean that we cut cut the work of the Lord short by making excuses. Excuses like, well, this makes me a little uncomfortable, or, or I don't have the time right now. I'm way too busy doing other things. I get it. I make several excuses too. And now in these times, though, many of us are no longer able to use the busy excuse, and the church no longer gathers in the building, but we're being challenged to be the church in our homes, 
and in our neighborhoods and in social isolation. What does bearing fruit look like for each of us in April 2020 and beyond? Jesus desires you to be a fruitful branch in his vine. We're called to bear fruit. He desires you to be a disciple. He remains in us. We remain in him. And when you are a disciple of Jesus, you have the living Christ of Jesus in you. And you'll be attached to the true vine. And you'll be receiving spiritual nourishment from the true vine. And you will bear fruit. And you'll be able to see the fruit that you bear. And others around you will see the fruit as well. When Jesus says to his people in Matthew 22 to love God and to love one another, he is calling us to respond in a relationship with the gardener, with the true vine, with other branches. Remember, as humans, we have a tendency to distance ourselves from God. Don't let that be our default. Remain in him as he is in us. So in this passage... Jesus is also stressing the importance of today, the present. Of course, the future is important, but the present's important too. We are kingdom people, and that means how you live today, the fruit of your faith in Jesus, the fruit of your life is important today. And we need to bear fruit today. Our lives today have an impact in the kingdom. We are kingdom people today. We are building God's kingdom here on earth. Your kingdom come today on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus lives in you, he remains in you. And you are a disciple of Jesus and you remain in him. You're attached to the true vine and the true vine is attached to you. And Jesus is at work in you through the power of his Holy Spirit. And when all of that is occurring, what kind of fruit are you producing And keep in mind, we will be producing fruit and more fruit and much fruit. But people, don't resist the work of Jesus in you. Continue to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Allow yourself to be pruned by Jesus. Jumping back to verse 2 for a moment, we read that he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us have to let some things go. God has things that he would like to prune from us. And perhaps there are certain behaviors that we need to allow God just to remove from our lives. And Lord, we we surrender these to you. And these are things that we have to intentionally work on in our lives. And again, allow God's spirit to prune us. We all have things in our life that need to be renounced or repented of. By the grace of our gardener God, he will continue his work in us through his son, Jesus Christ, our true vine. So allow, surrender our lives. Allow God to prune our lives for the Holy Spirit of Jesus to keep transforming us, to keep changing us, to make us more and more holy. He will prune his branches because he wants that bumper crop of fruit to be produced by his followers. So just like the baseball fan in our earlier story who expected to be as good as the professional player, it's a journey. But it's a journey that demands a responsibility from us. But know that even in these times, in this context, the gardener and the true vine continue to be at work in our hearts and in our lives. 
being in a relationship with us and desiring us to respond in faith to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. People of God, Jesus desires a relationship with you. Respond in faith and enter into a new relationship or a deeper relationship with Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we praise you. We praise you for your grace and your goodness. We praise you for your love that endures forever. We offer our lives to you in thanksgiving and gratitude. Father, we thank you that you are the gardener and that you have given us your son, the true vine, to have a relationship with us, to have a relationship with your branches, your people. Thank you for your love and for your grace and your salvation through Jesus. And Lord, I pray that those listening will respond in faith, that each of us will respond in faith and enter into a new relationship with Jesus or a deeper relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Work in each of us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the various ministries of this church and many other churches and many organizations coming together in your name at this time. Lord, we thank you for the leaders of churches and organizations and governments and and in medical fields. We thank you for your continued provisions and your faithfulness in uncertain times such as these. Lord, continue to bless the many ministries that are done in your name. May through each of these ministries your people become more and more equipped. And through each of these ministries, may your name be glorified. We thank you for all your people. From the unborn children to the oldest of seniors in our churches and in our communities. We thank you for health and provisions that you give to us. And where there are challenges in life, at whatever age, may we continue to know that you are present with us in all things. And so, Lord, we lift up those among us who have needs. We bring before you the impact that COVID-19 has on so many areas of our society and all this world. We pray for those who are struggling with this virus. We pray for those who have lost someone near to them. Earlier we lamented over the many losses, and these are so real among your people. We pray for those who have made their needs known and many others where their needs have not been made known. But you know what your people are in need of. Give strength and hope to your people. We pray for those who struggle with other concerns going on, whether it's relational or financial or whether it's mental illness or other physical illness, whether it's isolation and loneliness. Bless your people that they feel the support through others and the community of the saints and that each recognizes the value that they have through Christ. Lord, we pray for our communities, our countries, our world. And may we be encouragement to one another and may we be a light to our communities and to this world to shine the light of Jesus. By the power of your Spirit, grace your people with strength and hope. And as we go through this week, leading to Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, may we go with hope, and may we go focusing our attention on you. And we look forward to when Jesus will come again and make all things new. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.